Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord, I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. And then to Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country into a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then finally, to chapter 11 in Luke starting with verse 5. And Jesus said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and get you anything. I tell you, 
though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? May God bless to us these readings from his holy word. Well, we've had a couple of weeks off, so it might be helpful uh, to remember uh, the theme that we've been talking about. Rejoice, the Lord is good. And so I want to give you a summary, and you just repeat after me, and you'll get this down in your spirit. First of all, this one. The Lord is good. Oh, you need to be more convinced than that. Uh, That's not very convinced. That sounds like, well, the Lord is okay on Sundays, but if he was really good, he wouldn't get me out of bed so early. So let's try that again. The Lord is good. The Lord does good. Let's try that again. The Lord does... The kids are outdoing you, adults, I tell you, and there are fewer of them. So, okay, let's try this again. Let's start from the beginning. The Lord is good. The Lord does good. The Lord gives good. The Lord superintends good. And the Lord prepares us for good. You know, that's the theme. The Lord is good. The Lord does good. The Lord gives good. The Lord superintends good. You could say the Lord plans good. Uh, And I thought about that. And plan is kind of right, except he, he not only plans, but he makes sure the plan comes to pass. You know, so it's more than just plans. That's why he superintends. He makes sure it goes. Uh, So he superintends good and he prepares us for good. For the Lord is good. And we need to have that at at the, the foundation of our understanding of who God is. That the Lord is good. That the Lord does good. That the Lord gives good. That the Lord superintends good. And the Lord is preparing us for good. He prepares us for good. Because he wants us to experience good. And the people of the world need to know that we serve a good God who wants good for people, who is not out to get people. He's not out to smite people. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to be separated from his love in Christ Jesus. He wants everybody to experience it. And we have to have that conviction because if we don't have that conviction, there are 8 million people around us within a 15-mile radius of us who need to know the gospel that won't even think about it unless they know about the goodness of the Lord. Because that's the heart. And we need to have a heart awakened in us for these 8 million people, I, I know I've upped the number from 7.5 to 8 million. I did some recalculation, and London is growing, you know that. Uh, and so the number of unsaved people are gro- is growing in London faster than the number of saved people. Uh, we want to see that changed, right? We want to see that changed. But we're not going to see it change unless we are absolutely convinced that the Lord is good, the Lord does good, the Lord gives good, the Lord superintends good, and the Lord prepares us for good. 
And these people, he wants them to experience good. And the other thing that we need to be convinced of is that it's got to be the Lord doing all of this because we cannot possibly do it. We can't do it ourselves. You know, I think about the group that's here and, and our number in this, in this room doesn't, is, isn't hardly even a fraction of a 1% of 8 million. So how is this little group of people gathered here right now at City Temple in this building going to see these 8 million people come to faith in Christ? Or let's expand it a little bit and let's say, you know, the, the people in the city of London right now, there's several churches worshiping the Lord in the city of London right now, that's still a small percentage. So we need to have a passion, we need to have a desire, uh, we need to have a longing for these people to know Jesus, but the only way that will happen is that if you're really convinced that God is good, because if you don't think that God is good, you know what you'll tend to think is that God wants to punish all these people and they might as well go to hell anyway. But if you think God is good, then you realize that no, God wants the best for every one of these 8 million people within 15 miles of us right now who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God longs for good. He wants good to come, and He wants to bring good in and through us. He gives us good so that we can pass that good along. He wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. He wants to give good to us and let us experience his good because when his people experience his good, that's a massive testimony to the goodness of the Lord. And so that brings us then into how is this possible that any of this could happen? How is it possible that God could bring good to us, that work good in us, and cause us to be instruments of his good for other people around us so that those people will come to hear Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and they will have a hunger and a desire to respond to him. How is that possible? There's only one way, and that's by the Spirit of God. But that leaves us in a situation because I'm convinced that many Christians today don't believe that the Spirit of God is really good. Uh, a lot of times we're afraid of the Spirit of God. Because actually if we get in touch with the Spirit of God, He might cause us to do things that are uncomfortable. Actually, if we're listening to the Spirit of God and we're standing in that queue at Sainsbury's, uh, or pick your, you know, pick your favorite supermarket. You're standing in that queue of Sainsbury's and you see somebody in front of you that's struggling a little bit, maybe a little bit sick, and the Spirit of God might nudge you to say, hey, you should pray for that person. And he might say, oh, that's a little weird. They're going to think I'm a little strange. I, I don't really want to do that. And so we're kind of afraid of the Spirit of God. Uh, or we've heard those stories about people falling over in the power of the Holy Spirit or shaking in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, or doing something crazy like speaking in tongues or, you know, some, some weird kind of thing like that. And we think, okay, you know, God, I'll take any gift of the Holy Spirit except speaking in tongues because I don't really understand that one. And, and that, you know, it just sounds like a bit of gibberish there. And, and so I don't really, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little uneasy about that. And so we want to pick and choose with the Holy Spirit. We want to pick and choose and we say, well, I, I want a little bit of the Holy Spirit, but not too much. I, I want a little bit of God's power working in and through me, but not too much. 
uh, and, and I want to set the terms by which the Holy Spirit might come into my life and work with me and be in me and, and, and conform me to the image of Christ. But the problem is you can't do that. So how do we change that perspective? We do it with two convictions, really. First of all, we do it with the conviction that the Holy Spirit is God. God exists, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the force. He's not some impersonal thing that goes on in our lives. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Uh, in our language, he should be called he because the Holy Spirit is a person. And the Holy Spirit is God. That means that all the qualities that God has, the Holy Spirit has. Sovereignty, yep. All-powerful, yep. All-present, yep. Uh, holy, yep. Uh, faithful, yep. Uh, unchanging, yep. All of those qualities are true of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. But then, along with that absolute conviction in our lives, we have to have the other conviction, and that is that the Holy Spirit is good. It's just like the psalmist said. Let your good spirit lead me. Now, why is the psalmist saying that? The psalmist is saying that because he's in, a, he's in a, a pickle. He's in trouble. He's in turmoil. He needs some help to get out of the turmoil. But he knows God well enough that sometimes, you know, God leaves, leads us in some strange ways to get us out of difficult times. And sometimes God will lead us down paths that we don't really want to go down. And so he's saying, okay, God, let your spirit lead me, but I want your good spirit to lead me. Because I know your spirit is good because you are good. And when your spirit leads me, he will lead me in ways that are good. And we have to have that absolute conviction of the goodness of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, we have to have the conviction of what Jesus tells us there in Luke chapter 11, that the Holy Spirit is a good gift of God. That the Holy Spirit is good, that we should be asking for the Holy Spirit, we should be hungering for the Holy Spirit, we should be desiring the Holy Spirit, we should cry out to God for His Holy Spirit living in us because the Spirit is good and the promise is good that if we cry out for the Spirit of God, that God will give us His Spirit. He will answer that prayer. He will give us the good gift that is the Holy Spirit. In other words, He will give us Himself. He will put Himself inside of us as Spirit, as God, as good. And so the Spirit of God is God living in us. The good Spirit living in us. And so you see how if we start to say, okay God, I want this gift but not this gift, or I want you inside of me but please don't do this, or I'll have just a little bit of you but not the whole package, you see, that's like rejecting God himself. And so God takes that very seriously. Just if I said, well, you know, I, I, I really, I like you to come to the church only when you give money. So if you give money, come to the church, but actually I can't be bothered with you if you don't give money. Would that be insulting? 
if I said that. And I know some people that pastors have said that. I would, I would not say that. Because I know that that would be insulting. I'm not going to take you just because of the parts that you give me that are pleasant, that I like. You know what? When we accept you as a church, we accept you warts and all. And we all have warts, by the way. We all have those unpleasant parts of our personalities. We all have those things about us that irritate other people. And if you don't realize that, just ask three or four people that you know in the church and say, please be honest with me. Tell me what about me really irritates you. And if you push them, because they won't tell you at first, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know, you know, they'll play this kind of game with you and everything like that. But if you persevere a little bit and really press in, eventually people will tell you those little things that irritate you. Uh, most of us don't ask because we don't really want to know. No, but we take people as they are, and God we have to accept because he is God. His Holy Spirit is God. We take him as God, and we take him with the knowledge that God is good. Because without the Spirit of God living inside of us, we cannot experience the goodness of God, nor can we communicate the goodness of God. Without God's Spirit inside of us, we would never even know who God is, because His Spirit coming inside of us is who makes us alive in Jesus Christ, who is also God. Without the Spirit of God living inside of us, we would never begin to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fellow, uh, uh, gentleness, and self-control. Without the Spirit of God living inside of us, we could not have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're primarily for ministry in the body of Christ, but they're not exclusively for ministry in the body of Christ. So you want the gifts of the Holy Spirit not only for what you do amongst Christians, but also what you can do in the marketplace. I tell you, if you've got a financial advisor who has a genuine gift of prophecy, you're going to make a lot of money. Do you understand that? If he can tell you when the Lord is saying get out of the market or when the Lord is saying get in the market, I mean, that, that's a big advantage. And so we want people who are gifted by the Holy Spirit to be in the marketplace and we want God to use us by the gifts of our spirit wherever God places us in the marketplace, the schools, uh, and so on and so forth. Because we are more effective that way. We are more effective that way. And so we need the Spirit of God and we need to cry out with the conviction that the Spirit of God is God and the Spirit of God is good. But we also need to do it with an open mind and our eyes wide open as well. Because look what happened in the life of Mary and Elizabeth here. We see the Spirit of God. There's Mary. She's hanging out. I don't know exactly what she's doing. Uh, maybe she's doing a Sudoku. Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, she's hanging out there. All of a sudden, the angel Gabriel, bing, he, he appears to her and says, Hail Mary, favored one of God. Now, let me tell you, I've had people up on the street uh, on the street, come up to me and say, you know, man, you really seem like you're somebody who has a lot of God's favor on your life. I have had people say that. And I, I always think, okay, what do you want? You know, and that's what Mary was doing. You know, she's saying, okay, what kind of greeting is this? 
you know, that, that he would, you know, he would do this. He would say this. And so, she, but she, you know, keeps it open and says, hey, guess what? You're going to give birth to the Messiah. Uh, and, uh, and this is going to be amazing. And it's the fulfillment of all the prophecies and things like that. And, and she says, oh, okay. Well, how in the world am I going to give birth to a baby because I've never had sex? I am a virgin. And he says this. He says, the Spirit of God will come upon you. And this baby will come about by the work of the Spirit of God. A key thing here we learn with Mary is that our destiny in God is dependent upon the Spirit of God coming upon us. If you do not allow the Spirit of God to work in your life, if you do not encourage the Spirit of God to fill you and fill you and fill you and say, God, I want all of you in all of me. If you do not have a hunger and thirst for the Spirit of God, if God is not working by His Spirit within you, you have no real destiny. You cannot fulfill what God has for you in your life without the Spirit of God. That's why there's no hope for the 8 million people around us who don't know Jesus unless there's a group of people who are filled with the Spirit of God. And then God, by His Spirit, will work in and through those people to start drawing people to His Son, Jesus. You know, it's not our job to do that. It's the Spirit of God's job to do that, working in and through us. And He will do it. But without the Spirit of God, we have no real destiny. And so our lives as Christians, the fulfillment of our destiny, the fulfillment of our call, the fulfillment of the good that God has planned for us depends on the Spirit of God working in and through us. The Spirit of God coming upon us. But you notice what Mary goes on to say down there at the end. After she gets the explanation, she says, okay, so be it. Let it happen. The second dynamic, not only does the Spirit of God have to come upon us, but we have to fully surrender to the work of the Spirit of God in us. When the Spirit of God comes, you can't say, okay, God, this far and no further. You say, okay, God... As you wish, as you desire, as your will, come upon me, Holy Spirit. Fill me up. Work in me and through me. Do what you need to do so that I can walk into the destiny that my Father, the good destiny that my Father has planned for me. Now you have to have a conviction that both your destiny, that God is superintending good for you, You see why those first sermons are so important to understand. You have to have a conviction that God is superintending a good outcome for you, that he is preparing you to receive good, that God is good, and that God does good, and that God gives good. Otherwise, you will never surrender fully to the Spirit of God in and through you to accomplish everything that God wants to accomplish in your life. So far, so good. I mean, we can all accept that pretty well. But then we need to remember the consequences. God had a good outcome for Mary. 
God had a good plan for Mary. In and through Mary, God was going to send Jesus to save us all from our sins. So without Mary, without her surrender, we'd all be dead in our sins. I think that's a pretty good outcome. But you've got to remember, too, what would have happened to Mary. In a very conservative society, suddenly she would be a woman who is pregnant outside of marriage. Even her own uh, fiancé thought about divorcing her because they were betrothed, which means that they were committed to being married. Uh, it's, it's not fully like being married uh, today. The contract's not fully signed but the commitment is there. And so if you violated that commitment, it was like having adultery. So even though you weren't fully married, and even though you weren't having sex, if you had sex outside of that covenant, that betrothal covenant, it was like you were committing adultery. And so here's this young woman, probably 13, 14 years old, not very old, who's now pregnant outside of marriage. And now her her husband, who he gets a dream, he says, okay, don't be afraid to marry Mary because what's in her is from God. And so Joseph takes upon that shame upon himself, takes that shame upon himself. And she goes through this experience. And you got to know that it would not have been easy. Now you see why we have to be committed that God is good, does good, gives good, superintends good, and prepares us for good. And that God's Spirit is good, and that God's destiny for us is good, and that the Holy Spirit inside of us is intimately entwined with that destiny, because sometimes, and oftentimes, well, okay, all the time. Let's just kind of put it out there. All the time, when you follow God, the Spirit of God's working in you, He will lead you in places that you don't often want to go. And he will lead you to do things that you sometimes just do not want to do, but you have to trust that he is good. And that's exactly what Mary did. The same was true with Elizabeth as well. We see this in her. Because here's Elizabeth, and Mary goes to to her cousin Elizabeth. Now remember Elizabeth... Uh, she gets pregnant when she's beyond childbearing age. She's an older woman. Her husband is a, a priest. Uh, he's struck dumb because he has a, uh, you know, he questions the the uh, the angel that says, "Hey, you're going to get pregnant." Uh, and so, and and so here's Elizabeth. Now she's pregnant in her own age, her old age. That's not the easiest thing to deal with either. You know, people are going to be thinking about that, and so. Mary goes to see Elizabeth. Part of that is to kind of get away for a season because of the scandal of what's going on in her life. And she goes to Elizabeth, and you see again how the Holy Spirit is intertwined with our destiny. And it's Elizabeth then that testifies uh, to the fact that Mary is pregnant with the Savior of the world. And actually it's John, John the Baptist, who is in her womb. Do you notice this? John the Baptist is filled by the Spirit of God before he's even born. Just like the angel said to Zechariah, what happened? Here's John, and John leaps in the womb, testifying that Jesus is the Messiah before either of them are even born. 
That's the power of the Spirit of God. That's the power of the Spirit of God. And when we allow the Spirit of God to take us down those pathways that sometimes we don't want to go, when we bear the shame or the discomfort or the uneasiness of some of the things that might happen to us if we're fully surrendered to God and the Holy Spirit's working in us and through us, when we do that, there will be times of confirmation. There'll be times of testimony. There'll be times of witness and encouragement that will enable us to keep walking down that path. And you know Mary needed that in that season. And she received that, and it was only after that time that she's released in praise. And we didn't read that whole passage, but it's after that testimony and that confirmation that she's finally released in praise before the Lord for everything that was going on and for accepting all of what God was doing. We need the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is fully God, and the Spirit of God is good. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit is good, from speaking in tongues down to gifts of help and serving. Every gift of the Holy Spirit is good. All the fruit of the Spirit is good in our lives. All of the ways of the Holy Spirit are good in our lives. And we need the good Holy Spirit working in us and through us in order to be agents of God's good in this city around us. So the question is, will you surrender to the Holy Spirit today? Will you say, Lord, I want to receive again the good gift of your Spirit in my life. I want all that your Holy Spirit has to offer me. We're going to pray. And, and at this time, I, I've been asking the Lord what he, wants, what he wants to do. And the time will come. The time will come in the new year when we're going to be laying hands on people uh, to renew a lot of things. But today, uh, I think the Lord just wants us to receive together. And so I just invite everybody to stand. And I'm going to pray and... Uh, Uh, And since we're all standing, something won't call attention to you. But if you would like to be renewed in the Holy Spirit, if you'd like to say, okay, Holy Spirit, you are good. I surrender to your goodness. I receive you in your goodness. And I ask that you would fill me again to overflowing. I just invite you to hold your hands up kind of like this in a, a receiving a receiving mode. Don't do it unless you really want to. There's no pressure here. I'm not looking at people to say, oh, you know, this person did, this person didn't. Uh, just make this a serious choice in your heart. Father God, I thank you that you are good, that you do good, that you give good that you superintend to bring about good in our lives, that you prepare us for good, and that your spirit is good. Good spirit, we invite you to come.